It's the end of the world as we know it, and I feel fine. This is the hour of doom and bloom. That's right, friends and neighbors. Welcome to the Doom and Bloom Survival Medicine Podcast, a cathedral of charisma in a cantankerous world. I'm Joe Altenemdi, that old Dr. Bones, co-founder of the survival medicine website doomandbloom.net, or .com, by the way, <laughs> where you'll find 1,200 more, more than 1,200 Articles, podcasts, and videos on medical preparedness. And I'm Amy Alton. Usually you say more. I do. <laughs> and I'm Amy Alton. I'm an advanced registered nurse practitioner and a certified nurse midwife. And, and also known as Nurse Amy. That's right. Nurse Amy. And a purveyor of some of the highest quality medical kits on the planet. <laughs> That's right. Put the accent on the right syllable. Thank you, sir. Also, not to mention that she is the goddess as the hottest. The hostess that's the most is so smart she taught me to roll over and beg in one day. <laughs> and I've been trained ever since. And all she needed was a box of Scooby Snacks. Scooby Snacks. Scooby Snacks. You'd like them, huh? I would like Now that them. I have you on a keto diet, Yo. you'd like anything with sugar in it. Yeah, anything would do. Hey, sugar, you, know, you know what sugar is? What? A poison. It is. It really is. Hey, you know, we have a lot to say. Weird things like that. You think that's weird? No, actually. Everyone should cut back on sugar. I'm not it's saying a medical, you have to it's a medical truth, abstain really. Abstain from it. Everything in moderation and sugar as little as possible. How's there that? You go. Added right. sugar as little All as possible. Right. By the way, fruits are fine. Fruits and vegetables. Then that is indeed not only the conventional medical wisdom, but also the unconventional medical wisdom, which <laughs> is another one of our specialties. But before we start this show, we've got to tell you that despite our going as far as we can to make your family medically self-reliant in times of trouble, you got to listen to this. Absolutely. All information and opinions voiced on the Survival Medicine Podcast are for entertainment purposes only and do not represent medical advice for anything other than post-apocalyptic settings. We strongly urge our audience to seek modern and standard medical care whenever and wherever it is available. Ah, but what about that day mm -hmm. when you become the highest medical resource left to your family? Some disaster may occur, some worldwide pandemic. Huh. Yeah, that, right. That chance, right? <laughs> Isn't that funny? We said that for years. <laughs> That's Never right. Never did we wish it. We just kind of expected it. Right. Well, if you listened Strangely. to us, you had masks <laughs> and you had all sorts of... Items that you needed to stay safe, and uh, I hope you did. Yep. Well, our job is to make you effective in the role of medic, and we want you to succeed even when everything else fails. Hey, you know that in any long-term survival setting, somebody is going to get pregnant at one point or another. Even if your daughter is seven years old right now, a decade or so, a decade or so into an EMP strike that knocks, off, knocks everybody off the grid, well... You know what? She's going to be 18, 17, 18, and you may end up being a grandparent in a world without power. You're going to need some equipment that's going to increase your chances of having a successful birth and a healthy mother otherwise. Now, this isn't something to laugh at because during the era of the Civil War, maternal deaths approached 1% to 2% per pregnancy, with women having an average of 10 pregnancies during your lifetime. You know, that added up to about 10 to 20%. That is a huge maternal death rate. A lot of heartbreak, a lot of tragedy, 
at a time when things have to be running smoothly if you're going to survive in times of trouble. Now, Amy has put together a one-of-a-kind kit that puts all the other OB kits, in my opinion, to shame pretty much what the hospitals use, minus the fetal monitor machine, maybe. Now, Amy, the kits I see are basically an umbilical clamp and a pair of scissors, maybe a baby blanket. Is yours any different from that? Yes, but you know what? Most of them, I don't even see a baby blanket. They don't even get a baby blanket? <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's like a glove. They don't even give a sterile lube. This is why you know there are not women making this or even anyone in the OB industry. This is just some research and development that said, what do we think should be in an OB kit? And by the way, we mean OB. We mean obstetrics. And not only is my kit for the delivery, but it's also for the labor. Which is another thing that is not included in any kits. And the postpartum period, too. In other words, yes. the time after you have the baby. Exactly. So I tried to cover all of those. So, um, What's some in of, it? Some of the... <laughs> I'm glad you asked. No. Some of the items, uh, for instance, that I would consider labor items are the non-sterile gloves and the lubricant. And I didn't just give you like five or ten. I think I give you 40 packets of yes, lubricating do. jelly and 30 gloves. And those gloves are extended length gloves. Yes. So they come um, probably about four inches past the wrist. Yes. At least depending, of course, on how big your hands are. <laughs> if you have smaller yeah. hands, they'll, they'll be even higher. Big difference from what you get in normal medical kits, by the way. Absolutely. So... Uh, that's for, for labor. And also, I give you nitrazine paper. And What's that? just to understand what nitrazine paper is, it measures a, a pH of amniotic fluid. And so you have a little color chart that I also give you with the nitrazine strips so that you can compare was this urine? A lot of women are confused by have I just kind of peed on myself? And men might not understand this, but when a baby kicks your bladder, or maybe you're having a really hard contraction and the baby moves a lot. It doesn't take a lot of urine in that bladder to come out. And then you might be confused as, did she just break her bag of water? Or was this something else? So the nitrazine paper at least gives you that idea of what's happening here. Well, what, how do you use it? Um, you gather some of the fluid and you dip the nitrazine paper. I, I give two-inch strips. Um, they say you're supposed to use two inch, but if you want to conserve it, you don't have to use two inch. What I would do is I would use the um, clamps, which is another thing I give you, um, to hold the nitrazine paper and then dip it into the fluid. Or, or what we would do in the hospital is we would touch the pad that was underneath the woman. Or we would touch the outside of the perineum which is where the fluid might have dripped from, and then check that to see is this amniotic fluid or is this urine. And you could tell by the pH. There's a color change. That's right. So it turns like a bright green, if I remember correctly, if, if indeed the um, amniotic fluid is broken and it doesn't change much color, if I remember correctly, if it's urine or if it's uh, anything but amniotic fluid. Well, amniotic fluid is alkaline. Right, and, and so the urine pH, is pH is neutral. Right. Seven. Exactly. So it does make a big difference, and, and it tells you whether you broke your bag of water or not. You don't have to wonder if that's indeed the case. So, right. Uh, that, that's a very unique thing that you don't find in other OB kits, by I, the way. 
Thank you. Um, another thing that I, I have in there for the labor part is something called a chucks pad. And people who have taken care of uh, folks at home or maybe who have seen patients in the hospital, there are these blue pads on the outside that are kind of look a little plastic uh, material. And then they have a usually a light blue or a white inner aspect, which is absorbent. And so you can place these chucks pads with the the white or lighter color underneath the woman and then the blue part is against the mattress or whatever she, hopefully she's on a comfortable mattress um so that you protect whatever sheeting she's on so that fluid is not leaked everywhere sometimes we have spotting uh there's a little something called a show which is a bloody discharge that can come out it doesn't mean anything bad it's um, a mixture of cervical mucus and uh, a little bit of blood right. Right, that was the plug. So as the cervix starts to dilate, that little plug comes out, starts to come out. Right, and it, anyway, it can be messy. And so the chucks and we give uh, twenty five, which is actually a whole pack. And if you look at the stack of twenty five, it's probably about a good seven inches thick. Just the bunch of chucks pads we give. So now I just want to say that just the chucks, just the pa- the the pack of chucks that you give is larger than the entirety of an OB kit in almost every other yes. place that you can find one. Gosh, that is so true. Um, another thing that I think that is helpful, and hopefully people will have acquired uh, one of these kits from somebody in advance, is the measuring tape. And so if you have this kit, the measuring tape is, is not sterile. It's not something you're putting up inside of a woman. Um, but you can measure something called a fundal height. And you start from the pubic bone, uh, which is kind of really uncomfortable to push too hard on a woman because you get a little separation there to make space in the hips for the baby to come out. So don't push too hard, but you find that pubic bone and you measure to the top of the uterus, which is kind of where your fingers dip into her belly at the top of the uterus. As you feel it, we palpate it with your hand. Exactly. Um, and there are specific measurements that tell you about how far along the woman is. Maybe she didn't know how far along she is. Uh, that's not really accurate until about 18 to 20 weeks, which means the uterus should be at the belly button. From the belly button up, uh, you're more accurate. And so there's measurements that tell you how many weeks and it helps you also know if she was higher and now suddenly the measurement's a little lower that that baby has moved into the pelvis. Right. Maybe baby has dropped. Yeah. And it's it, descended a little bit, which delivery is might be imminent. sort of a sign that you need to keep a closer eye on her. Um, but it tells you about fetal growth and, it, and you, you can examine and, and check the baby's growth by this measurement to make sure everything's on target. Now, in, in my experience... Basically, once you begin to be able to feel the uterus, then you're usually beyond about 12 weeks. If the uterus is halfway between the pubic bone and the belly button, I would call that about 16 weeks. Right. Okay. And these you're feeling by your hand, not not the measuring tape. Right. And if if the top of the uterus 
reaches the belly button, it's usually around 20 weeks. Right. And these are, of course, you know, very approximate Roundabouts. figures. Right, right. <laughs> and then after that, I find that it goes up about a centimeter for every week or so. Exactly. So at, at the end of a pregnancy, it's not unusual for a good-sized baby to the mother and uh, that hasn't dropped yet right. to be at about 40 weeks and it may drop to 38 or 37 as a baby goes a down lower. into the pelvis and, and she's labor gonna, becomes in, in she's going to feel like the baby drops yeah and her her walking her gait is going to start looking a little um how would you term that hobbleish yes <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. almost almost like trying to walk while you're sitting on like a horse a, like there's a bowling ball between your legs like a, <laughs> a duck waddle there yes you there you go that's yeah. a good description there a little more of a duck waddle so if you start to see that you say oh, okay well the baby's dropped we need to keep a good eye on her well i'm glad you have a measuring tape there because it also is a great aid in keeping an eye on the entire pregnancy yep. so this is as an ob kit it's not just a delivery kit is it is no it? it's a no. it's a take it's follow the pregnancy kit yes plus deal with the issues that may happen after the pregnancy kit as well exactly um another thing that is important to measure uh is temperature so whenever you have a visit from somebody who's pregnant, you definitely want to take their temperature. That's a, a vital sign, right? So we do have a thermometer in there. Um, specifically, I'd put it in there for labor because if you break your bag of water very early in the labor and you have a whole lot of exams that maybe weren't the cleanest situation, uh, you could chance getting an infection. And so you need to maintain a good eye and i would say checking the temperature once an hour is having a good eye on the woman who's in labor yes so a thermometer is included and you off know. the grid a child bed fever is certainly something that is a big issue absolutely um now let's talk about um you know we i did put masks in here face okay, masks good. um off the grid when you know the world had ended and people had not had masks, it would be okay to deliver a baby if you were not sick by not wearing a mask. I feel very strongly that you need to wear a mask um, during this time we have right now. Sure, pandemic times. In two times. years, uh, if this has passed, it's no longer an issue. Um, but you give them for the For whatever mask reason, um, you know... Then if you run out, I get it. But if you have them on hand, I think it's always a good idea. I put 10 of them. Wow, that's nice. In other words, you don't just use it for the delivery. You, you probably should use it when you're examining the woman. I don't encourage frequent exams. I do want to mention that um, as a nurse midwife, um, you know, in the hospital, again, you're in a very clean environment. You know the gloves have never been touched and they're clean and your hands are clean and you're not going to introduce a lot of infection right. when you're off the grid that may not be the case hopefully you have an ability to wash your hands um i do give hand sanitizer also that's another thing you should definitely use before you put the gloves on you know hands are clean even underneath those gloves just because you have gloves on doesn't mean your hands shouldn't be sparkling clean in a natural, by the way, it is a natural process childbirth in most cases, you know, without complications. And mm -hmm. so the amount of exams that are necessary, usually not too great. Right, exactly. And if you read a lot of midwifery books, you know, yeah. 
it's even an emergency. You just don't need to be sticking your hand up there. You're chancing an infection, introducing an infection that wasn't there in the first place by putting your hand in there, especially all the time. So I really discourage frequent checking, even though I gave you a bunch of gloves. Those gloves can be used to change the chucks underneath the woman's buttocks and keep her clean and help, you know, help keep clean your hands her up. clean. Too. Exactly. Exactly. So they don't have to, they're not just there for exams. I don't expect you to do 30 exams. Now you <laughs> are speaking from the voice of experience, aren't you? Yes. What is your background? Well, I told them in the introduction who I was. You said I, you were a certified nurse midwife. Yes. So you have exam you examined and delivered thousands, thousands of babies. Yes. <laughs> so if anybody knows that. how to make an OB kit, it should be you. <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, some other things I have in here. We just mentioned the hand sanitizer and the face masks. Um, I have lots of sterile um, items. So there's a sterile pack here that is to be opened up for the actual delivery. Now, what they didn't have in their sterile pack is a bottle of betadine solution prep. And so I've included that in there. That's good. So and so good at the time, yeah. at the time that that baby's head is about to crown, not pouring it on the baby's face if the baby's face is coming out already, but if you're just seeing the top of the baby's head, uh, two or three inches of it, it's That's time to crowning. prep. Right. It's time to prep the vagina. Okay. And you're you're not putting the, the betadine on the baby's head and wiping the baby's head. We only care about the external location, okay? So we're using that prep on the outside. Um, I also have some alcohol wipes. Um, if for some reason you went to deliver the baby and then it ended up taking longer and you were concerned about the sterile instruments that had been set out, there are alcohol wipes to wipe them down. I gave an extra pair of scissors, you know, God forbid you drop the scissors that are in the sterile pack on the ground, and now they shouldn't be anywhere near a baby's umbilical cord. I gave an extra pair of scissors. So again, wipe those down That's with awesome. alcohol wipes just in case. Again, it, it's never a bad thing to have extra items. Yes. So use the alcohol wipes to wipe down those scissors, and now you can actually cut the umbilical cord. And we'll talk about when to cut the umbilical cord in just a second. So now you know you got extra scissors, uh, extra alcohol wipes. I included a couple scalpels, and I know you've asked me, what would you put scalpels? Again, redundancy. You, you drop the first pair of scissors, you drop the second pair. you got a couple of sterile scalpels that you can use to cut the umbilical cord if you have to. I don't want anybody chewing through this umbilical cord. You kind of, <laughs> you kind of get the idea that I'm putting a lot of sharp things yes. in here just in case. You can cook the placenta, but <laughs> probably shouldn't chew on the umbilical. Right, right. You know, it's just um, one of those things. Right. Especially if you haven't delivered babies before. It's it's kind of, you know, a right. little overwhelming at first. Uh -huh. So also, um, the scalpels, I was considering if someone had a um, vaginal tear, which we'll talk about after we talk about the baby coming out, um, that if you had jagged tissue... 
that seemed too impossible to sew together that you could use that to kind of trim the edge just a little yes, bit. Yes, there could be a, a flap of skin uh, that doesn't piece, have a good... Uh, something to hold on to, right. ...blood supply or right. anything like that. And exactly. it's going to, you know, deteriorate. Right. And so get I, th rid of that. I thought, you know, these sterile scalpels might also be good for that. I also included extra is another pair of sterile gloves. There, There is a pair of sterile gloves in the sterile pack. And when I say the pack, it's a big tray, and it's wrapped up in a, a blue cover, and then that was put into plastic, right. and that is a full sterile set. When right. that's opened up, that is sterile. But I gave you an extra pair of sterile gloves. Again, the, the sterile gloves inside the kit somehow fall off the table. You've got an extra pair. And you said the word tray. Is there an actual tray? Yes. There, so people can put uh, used items and things if yes. they have to. Or so, the placenta. Yes, well, exactly. We'll talk about that in a second. So the sterile basin actually has a lid, which is interesting. Well, that's cool. It has a lid on it. So um, it has a baby blanket, which is obviously what you're going to wrap the baby in. After you wipe the baby with um, gauze or the OR towel, which is in here. There are four OR towels. They look like a blue towel. And they're, again, they're in the sterile pack. You can use those blue towels to wipe down the baby and dry the baby. Even yes. if you just use one or two of those. Wipe the baby, get, get the fluid off of it. Uh, you can also use one of those towels to hold on to the bottom of the perineum as that baby's crowning and the head is starting to really push out. So you control the, the um, timing of the baby's head yes. coming out. You don't want the baby to just... Pop the head out because you're going to have more of a chance yes. of tearing. Yes, you want so to... we want it slow and controlled. Right. So putting something between your glo sterile gloved hand and the perineum allows the baby's head to come out without just popping out very quickly and possibly Which can cause ripping. a pretty significant yes, tears. Yes, yes. You want a slow delivery. The baby's head will gently stretch the skin and tissue around where the baby comes out if you allow it to come slowly. A rapid delivery does not allow for stretching of that skin, and you will probably have tears unless it's her 10th kid. <laughs> you know, most likely on the first one, you're going to have a little bit of a tear no matter what you do, so it's not your fault. Um, but after that, a lot of times, you know, the body remembers and it restretches more easily and the baby will come out again. Make sure that you don't have her push violently at that moment. Slow, gentle pushes. So the baby delivers very, very slowly. Um, so you're going to want to wrap that baby up after, uh, you dry it off. There's a head warmer. Of course, everyone's seen the little beanie cap. It looks just like the hospital. This is actually a hospital kit, by the way. This this is provided right. to this hospitals. This is an advanced kit. This kit is probably the same kit that you and I opened up to deliver babies when we were in the hospital. Right. That's what's in here. Um, there is an umbilical cord clamp. Uh, some folks, after you deliver a baby, would like to wait a little bit of time, a few minutes, short few minutes, to allow some of the blood that was in the placenta to move into the baby so the baby has a little bit more blood because there is blood in the umbilical cord um i've seen doctors and nurse midwives 
milk the umbilical cord a little bit and sort of push along the umbilical cord into the baby's belly button area. Give the little baby a little Get higher a little blood extra, count. A little All extra right. blood and during right. grid down times, not a bad idea. Not dangerous. Um, after the baby's delivered, you have two sterile clamps in this sterile kit. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're going to place those on the umbilical cord, probably about eight inches away from the baby. So I would place the first clamp about seven inches from the baby's belly button and place the second clamp about 10 inches away. So in between those two clamps, you have three inches. This is where you're going to cut. You have to cut between the two clamps. This is going to prevent blood from coming out of the baby's side of the umbilical cord and out of the mother's side of the umbilical cord which is still attached inside of her to a placenta which we have not delivered yet don't worry about the umbilical clamp itself that's going to be put on later after you've cleaned the baby after you've washed the baby up you'll be putting that on that goes very close to the baby's belly button right so you're clamping with metal instruments yes we're using you would call them hemostats okay. or Kelly clamps. All right, so using two uh, hemostats to at that distance. Just to separate the baby from the umbilical cord that's still inside right. the mother. And later there's a plastic one that goes much closer and yes. you cut some excess and off. And everyone who's ever seen a newborn from a hospital has seen that little plastic clamp uh, 99.9% of the time. In fact, I've never seen another color. They're a pale yellow. Right. That's true. You're right. <laughs> and they have little teeth, and you just put it real close. About three to, centimeters. About three centimeters away from the baby, so it's not right on the baby's skin, and you just clamp it. It has teeth and a, a little notch on the top, and it just snaps closed. Um, and then eventually that uh, remaining part of the umbilical cord between the clamp and the baby will... Sort of dry up. Yeah, dries up and, and I don't want to say off. rot because that's falls not terrible. Falls off. It will fall off. But don't worry about the umbilical clamp right now. It is in the sterile kit. Okay. That is one of the things that are in there. Uh, another thing inside this kit is an under buttocks drape. Um, this is to protect, again, the bedding that she's on, the sheets that she's on, things like that. It doesn't have a pouch, so it doesn't have like a garbage bag underneath it type shape. Um, you can use a, a garbage bag. I know this sounds terrible. Underneath the woman and then, Plastic put this, garbage bag. then put the sterile drape over the garbage bag so that there's just a little garbage bag on the floor, kind of up a little bit just to catch whatever comes out with her. Because right. a lot of amniotic fluid is stuck behind the baby's head. And we'll deliver with the ba- the baby. Now, what I did with the under buttocks drape is I actually put it on my legs, okay. and my and had my legs spread a little bit in case for some reason a slippery baby came out. If it fell, it fell tucked onto, into you, right? Uh, right? Tucked into in between my legs mm-hmm. on the sheet. Which thankfully you've never you've never had a baby slip out of your no, hands. No, <laughs> I've never had a baby slip out of my we, hands as far as I fear, remember. Those things are slimy. Yes. They are, they are slimy. So, yes, these dra- this drape that you can put under the buttocks, you can fold it and put it on um, what you're wearing, which we haven't gone over yet. I do have all of that equipment. That's uh, some non-sterile stuff. Uh, again, we have a curved hemostat forceps. You also have a straight 
forceps. Yep, need two. You got lots two of, of instruments. You've got more than two. The two are used for the baby. You've got more than that uh, for whatever you're going to need. You have um, sponge forceps. These plastic sponge forceps, also called towel cl clips or clamps, uh -huh. um, can take those blue or OR towels that we were talking about. And you can kind of clamp those together uh, when you go to possibly suture right. up and the... Right, try to form a clean or so, yes, sterile field. Yes, you're going to lay, yeah, lay it on either side of her, her thighs and sort of isolate the area that you might have to repair. By the way, you did a great video on how to put together a sterile field. That's on our YouTube channel at DR Bones Nurse Amy. Thank you. Um, more scissors. There's straight mayo scissors. Those are the ones typically used to cut between the forceps that you've placed at six inches and ten inches from the baby's um, belly button, which they don't have yet. Yeah. <laughs> but that where the umbilical cord is attached. So the straight mayo scissors, again, in the sterile pack, are going to be used there. Uh, there are 4x4, four 12-ply, four, which is a, a good thickness of sterile gauzes. Uh, that would also be something that you could use to um, hold the perineum as the baby's delivering. So you have a nice sterile area that the baby's coming through and delivering. You can also use those to wipe the baby's face. Right. And after the baby's head is out, if the body doesn't follow too quickly, we have a bulb syringe. That's awesome. Which yeah. is a blue... Absolutely need that. Squeeze, little squeeze bulb. I'm sure everyone has seen those. You want to squeeze before you put it in the baby's nose and then let go with your hand. And yeah. then it will suck out one side of the nose. And yeah. make sure you squish that mucus out and then do the other side of the nose. Right, and amniotic fluid that might be there. Yeah, there's all kinds of stuff that can get in the baby's nose and mouth. And then you then you want to do the mouth. It's the, be it's the best situation to do that before the baby comes out because guess what? The baby hasn't taken a breath yet. You're only seeing the face, but the lungs are not out to be able to inflate. So the first breath has not happened. Yep. Tight fit. Yes. So you can clean that nose and mouth out. That's your ideal situation. Um, another thing that's in here is uh, the sterile gloves. Now, the reason I also included an extra pair of gloves is they actually put um, vinyl gloves and you know this has not been a problem years and years ago but more recently we have more issues with allergies if your patient tells you she uses vinyl gloves she works with kitchen gloves that aren't special she's never had a problem wearing any kind of gloves she doesn't have to buy a hypoallergenic then your vinyl gloves are probably not an issue and most of the time they're not but i did include an additional pair of nitrile or hypoallergenic gloves. So if there's any problem, she says she gets a rash when she puts gloves on or she can't wear kitchen gloves because she gets itchy and red, any kind of rash or reaction, um, just use my uh, nitrile gloves. So you have a replacement if someone has an issue. There's a uh, needle holder, seven inches, uh, which you could use for repairing if you had separate vaginal lacerations and stuff. right repairing any kind of uh, laceration if you have a separate suture kit which i offer um as an option 
I do have the special um, sutures that you'd like to use, and those are called PGA, and they're they're like Vicryl. Absorbable. Absorbable, right? So you never have to remove them. So you have an additional needle holder in this kit. Um, if you have spare sutures your own, if you want to get the suture kit, you can add that. And I do include the, the specific kind of sutures that you would want. And those also have the suture kit, of course, its own instruments. You even have even more instruments. Uh, this kit will include a 10cc syringe. If somehow you have some anesthetic liquid, <laughs> um, you can lidocaine, apply yes, yes you, um, you can apply that. It has um, the needle. And it mm -hmm. has the syringe, so you can draw that up. And it even has, in addition to the under buttock stripe, it has a 50 by 90 inch table cover. So you could, in fact, cover the entire the floor. floor you could cover right the there. entire mattress. You can cover yeah. half the mattress and half the floor. Mm -hmm. I mean, you've really got like a giant table cover. This is really and then a, again, it, a like, hospital it is quality the, it, kit. It's the one we use. I'm sure it is. It this sounds exactly like what we used. Um, and then, of course, we talked about those four OR towels that can right. be used for different things. One to dry the baby. I also um, have a what we call a brick of 200, 200 uh, four by four gauze, and I think ours are twelve ply also. And they come in very handy for there. Oh, wiping things right, cl keeping her clean. I mean, they're just like a million things. If you're if you're suturing and you need to to blot the area, you've got you know some clean. And you have two. You give them two hundred. Two hundred. Yes, they wow. have two hundred. Okay. Um, that's everything in the sterile kit. Uh, we also give for afterwards after the baby's born after the placenta comes out um and she's done and you have cleaned her up well gotten rid of all the yucky stuff put a clean chucks under her i provide five thick abd pads and these are eight inches by eight inches mm -hmm. and you can fold them in half and they make a nice peri pad and consider it a maxi pad so, you know, with all that stuff that, that comes out afterwards, um, at least you have a set of um, pads to put immediately on her that are, are conveniently in the yeah. kit. It can be sort of blood mixed with water, and it becomes more watery. Right, time. right, right. Um, and then, you know, over the days, um, it's possible that because I give 25 chucks, which is a whole lot, that she's going to want to sleep with a chucks under her or, or fold it in half over um, the maxi pads or the ABD pads that she's using uh, while she's still discharging just to keep her clean. You can also put those inside of a giant pair of underwear. In the hospital, they give us these um, mesh underwear, which are very strange. They're like fishnet stockings. Right, right, but they're panties. And they're very strange and weirdly uncomfortable. Just buy giant underwear, <laughs> cotton underwear, and just keep washing those and have a few to rotate. Um, options for this, um, I do suggest everyone have a blood pressure set. So have a cuff. Mm -hmm. um, that could be always a problem. Yeah, right? have the stethoscope. Um, on OB checks, again, you're going to measure that uterus. You're going to check her temperature, ask her how she's feeling. Uh, but you would also want to be checking blood pressure. Uh, you would like to check blood pressure during labor if it's possible. In between contractions, obviously, 
keep an eye on that. And then I also have a pulse oximeter. It's not something we typically measured in the hospitals. Uh, we had a lot of monitors on. That wasn't one of them. But I think in today's age where this is becoming more of a, a piece of equipment that every household should have, that it's not a bad idea to check the woman's oxygen levels while she's in labor. And it just, you and just maybe, put it on your finger, right? Yeah, it, it's so easy. It's non-invasive. In other words, you're not getting stuck with any kind of needle. And it's a simple thing to keep an eye on. Um, you know, and it would give you also a, a clue with COVID going on if there's an issue with COVID with her. <laughs> well, short of so having it's one a, more uh, vital sign measurement that's not a bad idea to be checking on. And then, you know, of course, if you really want to go hog wild, and I don't sell them, um, find a quality Doppler. Right, fetal, fetal monitor. Fetal, not, not necessarily say. fetal monitor, because those are the big ones we have. They're called Dopplers, and we had those yes. in our doctor's offices. Sometimes right. they would walk away. Remember how many we had to replace? Uh -huh. right, right. They would disappear. Yes. <laughs> Some patient with hot hands, <laughs> sticky, sticky fingers would right. walk away with them. Um, probably not just get one. Make sure you have extra batteries. Again, electronics right, and a yeah. grid down. You never know how long they're going to last. Not a bad idea if you really do anticipate your family members or community are going to be having babies ch listening to the heartbeat during visits is out very loud reassuring, very reassuring hear it, letting the mom hear it the dad hear it the maybe the other kids hear it you hear it it's a good idea it reassures everyone that things are going pretty well right if you're going to be the the medic for a community certainly you're going to want to have these kinds of materials and the the kits that you have are so superior to obstetric kits that are on the market today. Thank you. I mean, I, just amazing. I mean, it, it, it just just to describe it has taken basically the whole show. So I have uh, one more thing that I don't think I've even told you, but um, Hesperian puts together a lot of really good off-the-grid books. And mm -hmm. like our dental kit, we put where there is no dentist. Uh, they actually have a childbirth book. Mm -hmm. and I bought a couple cases of them. And so folks who have actually purchased the OB kit, because I, I, it's really fresh, I think I've only had it up for about 10 days, are going to get the book. That's great. And I also want to say that we do have an entire section on childbirth, uh, following pregnancies, uh, postpartum period deliveries, yep. in the Survival Medicine Handbook 3rd Edition. You wrote a, a yeah. really good chapter on that. Absolutely. Very detailed. Um, but this book that I'm going to include with the OB kits, I expect those books tomorrow, are illustrated, greatly illustrated. In fact, I think they call it their illustrated childbirth book. And I can't wait to see it, but I'm expecting that you don't even have to speak English. Um, somebody doesn't have to be highly educated that you're going to be able to look through this book and have a really good idea of how to deliver a baby without going to school for 10 years. All right. <laughs> Which well, is pretty amazing. <laughs> well, I think that that is pretty interesting. Uh, I, it's, it's a much more intensive kit than and, and extensive kit than, than I have seen anywhere on the market. As a matter of fact, it took us... 
an entire show to describe it. <laughs> well, I just want to make sure that people understand, you know, we're just really into the whole education and giving you a kit and then saying, here, good luck, is, is not good. It's, I don't feel comfortable with that. It's like the dental kit. I had to have some kind of guide for it. You can't just throw instruments at someone and say, have fun. Even the suture kits have picture instructions in right. them. Of course. The, every kit that has a tourniquet or any kind of bleeding instructions or bleeding items have our picture step-by-step -step how to stop bleeding with the equipment that's in your kit. Because it's no help to me to give you a tourniquet and maybe a hemostatic gauze and say, good luck. No, I need to tell you what to do. So we print them on waterproof paper. So even if they're, if it's raining outside, you're going to be able to look at these instructions. So education and knowledge and skills are, are just as important or way more important in some circumstances than the equipment. I absolutely agree with you with regards to that. And, and people who get, who get our large kits actually get our entire seven, almost 700 page book for free. They have to, they got to know what to do with the stuff. <laughs> That's right. Well, we're hand packing it with love. We got to know that they know what to do. Well, we hope everybody out there is staying safe and healthy. We thank you for listening to this episode of the survival medicine podcast with Joe and Amy Alton. And we hope you'll tune in next week. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Doom and Bloom Hour with medical preparedness experts Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. Check out our website at www.doomandbloom.net for hundreds of informative articles about survival medicine, gardening, natural remedies, medical supplies, and lots of other good stuff. Contact us, send your email to drbonespodcast at aol.com or use the contact form on the main page of the website. See you next week. Are you worried about how dangerous the world has become? In these days of terrorist attacks, natural disasters, or even a future collapse, you need to be medically prepared to keep your family safe. I'm Amy Alton, ARNP of store.doomandbloom.net, where you'll find an entire line of uniquely designed medical kits and supplies for when help is not on the way. For everything from individual first aid kits to the ultimate family bag, go to store.doomandbloom.net today. You'll be glad you did.